Well, praise the Lord, saints. It's good to be here with you guys today. <clears throat> Looks like the fog has cleared up. Welcome, 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 everyone who's watching online. I get the best view in the house. I get to look at all your beautiful faces and this beautiful nature out here. So it's it's just it's lovely. Well, let's let's pray. I I want to pray. So let's pray. So Heavenly Father, you're just so good. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is true. It is faithful. It accomplishes what it sets out to do. God, I thank you for your sons and daughters in this house today. I thank you that even when we fail, even when we stumble, even when we fall, God, you are faithful. (laughs) You never stumble. You never fall. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you're greater than every everything, Lord God, every attack, every natural <laughs> thing, Lord God, every supernatural. God, you are worthy, and you are, you are lovely, Lord, and you are wonderful, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> All right. So I'm excited to share this word. Um, I'm excited because God made me excited because when I uh, first realized earlier this week, like, oh, yes, I'm preaching this week. I was ready for one of the seven churches that was going to be like, uh-uh, you know, like, you know how we have this natural fight, flight thing in our brain? God, like, gave it to us, especially, like, you know, back in the day when we were running away from dinosaurs and saber-toothed t- tigers and stuff like that. <laughs> Mine is, like, sometimes overly active. Like, I'm always, like, ready. Like, wake me up in the middle of the night. Like, the fight, flight thing goes, like, automatic. It's, it's, a, it's like, a real thing. And so I was just, like, pumping myself up, like, ooh, we're going to have a word. It's going to be a rebuke. Everybody needs a spanking. I need a spanking. I was ready for it. <laughs> I was. I'm being honest. Don't judge me. I see some of you guys' eyes. Like, don't judge. I'm just being real with you, okay? And then I realized I have one of the churches that have nothing but good things to say. I'm like, how am I supposed to preach this? I know that sounds, that sounds bad, right? <laughs> and I start reading it, and tears came to my eyes, and I felt like the Lord said, this is your season, this is your church. <laughs> so the title today is The Church at Peace. Is mm. lessons learned from the Philadelphia church in Revelations 3, 7 through 13. Right now, we have a world that is in turmoil. We have a culture that is confused, a culture that's in turmoil. We have been going through things. I I feel like God has given me discernment, and on top of that, I believe I'm, I have a pastor's heart, so I, I feel you, and I get it. I've been talking to people, and even in my own household, there's been one thing after another thing after another thing. I spoke to my counselor last week. I said, if I could have one week, just one, without a crisis, I'm good. <laughs> just one week. But there's been crisis after crisis. There's been turmoil after turmoil. The world is a mess right now, y'all. Okay. The world is a mess. Our culture is confused. Our families are hurting. People, our economy is shaky. Uh, everything that can happen, it seems like it is happening. People who, have, who may have never really struggled in certain areas are struggling now because it is hard. <laughs> One out of every five adults at any given time is dealing with anxiety. 
People who've never dealt with panic attacks are dealing with panic attacks. People who've never dealt with anxiety are dealing with anxiety. People who've always slept very peacefully at night have been up at night, unable to sleep. And friends, it is because God is using the world, shaking up the world so the church can realize we can still walk in peace when everything else is shaky. Because our peace is not dependent on the nice and easy and smooth ride. It's not dependent on riding down, sliding down rainbows and skipping through lily patches and everything being like a Care Bear movie and everything's cherry and poppy and everything's wonderful all the time. That's a false peace. <laughs> That's a peace that you place in your circumstances. But the peace that God promises his people is a peace that passes all understanding. If you can understand it, it's not peace. If you can say, I have peace because I got a full bank account, it's not peace. If it's, I can have peace because all my kids are perfect and they've never messed up. They've never stumbled and fall. They're just, <laughs> that was my dad and now he got me blushing. Ah. <laughs> oh. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> but it's not true. That's a false peace. That's a peace in people. That, that's, a, that's a peace in your finances. That's a, if our peace was in our government, come on, y'all. That's a, that's a false peace. But we have a peace that passes understanding. We have a peace that surpasses understanding. We have a peace that comes from God, and that's what we're going to talk about today because that's what we need. So life often throws us into chaos and uncertainty. Yet God promises peace that passes understanding. So um, today we're going to dig into the word of God. Amen. The word of God is unchanging. It is powerful. It will set out to accomplish what it wants to do. Hallelujah. Who loves the word in the house today? Amen. So here we are. We're not getting a, a, a spanking today, but we're going to get a motivational word. Sometimes encouragement helps us do the good life that God has called us to do even more than a correction. And today, I love that Jesus, he, he, he had seven letters, and he gave five corrections. But there was two that he gave encouragement to and commended them, and this is one of them. So here we go. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Say holy and true who holds the key of David. Okay, remember that word key. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I read this, and I started weeping. I said, I've been praying this for years, and of course I've read this before, but it's been some time. You know how Pastor Josh talked about the book of Revelation, how there's some people who might skip over that. Eschatology is definitely not my number one um, skill. <laughs> when people, when my kids love it, I'm like, talk to your dad. I don't know. It's just like, all I know is I stay close to Jesus and I'm making, I'm making the ride. That's all I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> here, there, in the air, I'm with the Lord, you know? <clears throat> okay. But, but God convicted me, like, no, you need to understand what's going on here. And this word, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. God is getting ready to open some doors in your life. And guess how he's going to open it? By himself, he is the key. <laughs> Jesus is the key. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And I know that you have little strength. How much strength do you have? Little. So it's not dependent on how strong you are. 
You have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Hallelujah. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but liars. Ooh, who hates a liar? Come on. But claim they are Jews, claim that they are of the faith, and yet they are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commands and endured, endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. <laughs> I'm coming soon. When is he coming? When is he coming? Why have we lost that in the church? See, I got saved in the late 90s, and we, was, we would drive down the street and see someone walking and stop because he was coming soon. Like, probably year two, Y2K, that's what we was thinking, right? He's coming soon. I'm just saying, like, those of us who lived through that, that's what we were thinking. He's coming very soon, and we don't have time to mess around. Friends, he's still coming soon. Sooner now than before. Says, I'm coming soon. And then he says this, hold on. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Sometimes we stand firm, and friends, sometimes we just got to hold on. Just hold on. And then he says this, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem for which is coming down from heaven from my God, and I will write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? God, I just pray even again right now in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear what your word is saying. Help us be the people that hold on to our peace. No matter what attack of the enemy comes, no matter what crisis comes our way, no matter how shaky the earth is around us, help us hold on to the peace that you have given us. Help us see the door that you are open. Help us, help us walk through that door, Lord God. Help us see the doors that you close, Lord God. Let us avoid those doors. Let us stay close to you, Lord Jesus. And God, help us stand firm. Help us be steadfast and steady. God, help us be secure in who you are. Lord God, let us know who we are in you, Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that the enemy, Lord God, who has come against us, will sit at the, will sit, bow down at the, our feet and say, the Lord loves that church. The Lord loves those people. The Lord loves that son, that daughter of God. God, I thank you that everything the enemy has put against us and met for destruction, you will turn around for your glory and for your good. God, help us. Be like you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so I'm going to nerd out for just a minute. You know, I love me some historical facts. I don't have that as many, even though there was more. I cut it down because I want to get right into it. But I will say that this, there was a, uh, the Church of Philadelphia. It's not in, in PA. It's not in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure that you guys were clear on that. <laughs> it was actually strategically located in Asia Minor. And it was acting as a crucial gateway between different regions, making it a hub for trade and for culture. <laughs> it was a smaller city, but it was a pretty prominent city. And I love that it was a smaller city and, and a smaller church. And yet God said, but these people I found faithful. Because so often in our culture, and I fight this, in, in church culture in America, we say, oh, well, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? That's how you know that you're being successful. But we have defined fruit as productivity. And so we say, oh, that church is very fruit fruitful if it has thousands and thousands of people, um, and yet it may not have thousands and thousands of people that actually are saved, that actually are sanctified, that are actually walking in the truth and the word of God. 
And yet God looked at this smaller church in this smaller city and said, but I have found you faithful, that no one's going to take your crown. You have endured patiently. You're going to walk through the doors that I opened. <clears throat> so this strategic lo- location here, it was, it, was, uh, it was also known, the reason it was called uh, Philadelphia, so it, was, uh, it was some key named, I forgot his name, I didn't write it down, and he, he, uh, they, they had a nickname for a brotherly love because of their loyalty to, to uh, Roman uh, Empire there and just because of the love that they had for one another. It was known for that. A city of brotherly love. Uh, it was, a, it was a, uh, named after that as a sign of appreciation. However, what's interesting that I found the most interesting about these historical facts is that, that this city, the, where it was located, and I believe it was Turkey, it was uh, earthquake prone. So there was a lot of earthquakes that happened often in the city. And so that's why I, I, I said, you know what, I, I'm naming this, you know, a church at peace, lessons that we can learn from the Philadelphia church. But when we get into it here in a moment, I want to say, how can we hold on to the peace that God gives us when life gets shaky? Because life was shaky for them because they lived, they lived in a place that had lots of earthquakes. So those things would shake up. <laughs> and God sometimes shakes things up in our surrounding on purpose so that we can know that when we hold on, we're holding on to him. Okay? <laughs> so this city was prone to earthquakes, which uh, led to rebuilding efforts throughout its history. The characteristics is, is relevant when interpreting that the reference, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God, suggesting stability um, amidst instability. Man, don't we want to be a people that are stable even around instability? <laughs> Amen. Um, also, there's a, some, a symbolic uh, significance here. The book, uh, in context of the book of Revelation, I kind of already mentioned this, uh, Philadelphia church carries extra weight due to the church history of its loyalty and resilience, and this is one of only two churches that was commended versus, um, com, you know, convicted of wrongdoing. So I think that's also commendable here, and we need to make sure that we remember that. So the quest for peace in a chaotic world, amen, in a shaky world, this is what we're going to talk about today. So today's second title, yes, I did give this two titles because I can. (laughs) Today's second title is Holding On to Peace When Life Gets Shaky. Mm. Holding On to Peace When Life Gets He's about to open some doors for us today. And it's hard for us to always believe that when we're constantly seeing the earthquakes around us. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually here right now. In the spiritual, there's been a lot of things shaken. In the last five years, I've served the Lord full-heartedly for 25 years. Not that I don't, that not that I'm perfect. I mess up, right? But I have faithfully served the Lord for 25 years. And I have never, I never, and we lived through 9-11. We were actually at a pastor's retreat at 9-11 when, when those planes came down. And this is before, guys, you got to remember, young ones in here, this is 2001. So this was before there was good cell phones, okay? I think we actually still had a flip phone back then. And it was like 500 pastors outside of Heartland, any of you young people who have gone camp there. And we're, we're like flipping our flip phone, calling back home, trying to figure out what's going on. 
<laughs> and at that time, our pastor, we were staff pastors at the time. We went back home with Pastor Keith. We, everybody left immediately, and almost every church opened their doors 24-7 prayer for that time being. I remember we manned our phones, too, because back then um, people would call your landline. It was like a phone that was, like, hooked up to a wall with a wire. <laughs> and... Yeah, and I remember sitting in the office answering the phone, having the late night uh, shift because we was ready and, and people were, were moving. And then then we, you know, lived through several other things. Uh, we, bought, we, we bought our first church in 2008 when the housing market went down. So that was wild. And then, you know, here recently with Corona, but what, I, what I've noticed with this time, instead of the church turning back to the Lord, it was like we almost had, hmm, how do I word this? It was almost like a crisis fatigue. Like we were just so tired of hearing about another crisis that we like lost our umph. We lost our, our fight. We lost our umph. We just said, well, it is what it is, Right? <laughs> and I believe the Lord is saying, man, you got you to gotta hold on. You got to hold on a little longer. I'm still coming, but you got to hold on a little bit longer. Don't give up now. Don't throw in the towel. The breakthrough is coming, but you're going to miss it if you don't continue to hold on a little longer. Because life is about to get shaky. It's already been shaky. It's been shaky for some time, and it's about to get shaky. And most of us are experiencing the tremors of the spiritual earthquakes that we have been going through. There is an, a, there's a, a thing that's happening in the heavenly. See, when, when my kids were little, not only did we, we, we watch VeggieTales, but we watched this cartoon. We got to bust it out. We packed up all of our, our movies already in hopes that one day we will move. Um, and we, we have Angel Wars. You remember that, husband? Jordan, do you remember Angel Wars? You remember Angel Wars? Don't ignore me. How do you not remember? Jubilee, do you remember Angel Wars? Yes, you do. Where's Shua at when I need him? Angel Wars was like the best cartoon, okay? It was about these angels who, they, the way they portrayed them is like they were warrior angels, and they would have like spaceships. And then they would go, and there would be these demons that, that they would fight against, and people did not realize, so they would go help people. And sometimes they would give a message. They had warrior angels, and they had messenger angels, and they would give messages to people. And as they're like trying to speak the truth of God's word, there's like these demons out there. I and I just thought to myself, we don't realize that car cartoon is actually more accurate than a lot of our theology. Like, we don't realize that there is a war in the heavenlies for you, that you are so important that the devil wants you so bad to be on his team. But God also wants you so bad that not only did he send his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, but there's still angels. When you were born, there was an angel that was attached to you. Read the Bible. It says that every person has a guardian angel. This is New Testament, friends. I'm not even talking Old Testament. You have angels attached to you that are around you that are fighting a war that you don't even see. Matter of fact, when Daniel was fasting those 21 days, the Bible says that he, that, that he that Michael dare not say, uh, dare not try to, to, to fight against the principality, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And the Lord is rebuking the enemy, but we are not holding on like we need to. We are, but we're, our strength is, is little. Our strength is, is, is weakened, and we need to be stronger, and we need to endure a little longer. We need to keep on keeping on. 
That's what the old saints used to say. They used to say, don't just pray, but you got to pray through. Keep on keeping on. So how to hold on to peace when life gets shaky, number one, we need to trust God's promise. Trust God's promise. He described himself as holding the key of David. And he said, I am going to open a door that no man can open. What promise is over your life that you've just let go of? Because you haven't seen it come to pass yet. Come on, I know I got several. <laughs> then I'm like, is this really going to happen, God? Is this really going to happen? Listen, because you already know, God, you made me fight, flight, like extra, extra. My patience is not my number one fruit. Joy, I got that one. But patience, God, come on already. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, will you trust my promise in your waiting season? Come on, somebody. Will you trust the promise of the Lord for your children? That if you raise them in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from me. Will you trust God's promise that if you keep his word, if you stay true to him, that you, that he will make you oaks of righteousness? Will you trust God's word that even when the world is shaken, when culture is shaken, when our economy is a mess, that he will take care of you, that he, that he loves you. If he cares for the, for the birds of the air, and if he clothes the lilies of the ground, that he cares for you. Come on, someone, will you trust his promises? <clears throat> so how do we hold on to God's promise when life gets shaky? Well, we got to stay ready. <laughs> I told one of my, uh, my, my youngest football player, I said, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? Like if you're, if you're working out during the week when that football game comes, You've already stayed ready. You've been eating Taco Bell every single day. You've been watching video games and then going to, and go, want to go out and play. Is that you ain't going to have your best game. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And we have to stay ready. There is a spiritual war going on for, our, for the church of America. We are standing against evil. We are literally standing against evil. And because we are tired... Because we are, because it's been a lot. And because we are weakened, the enemy thinks, oh, I can get you now. I see your strength is weak. But the Lord said, I also see your strength is weak. And you still haven't bowed the knee to the enemy. I see you're tired, but you're still holding on to my promise. I see things aren't going the way you think that they should and the way that, that they ought to, but you still haven't bowed to the enemy. I see your struggle, and I'm opening a door. I'm opening a door. The Bible says that every time temptation comes, that he opens a window of escape. Friends, some of us need to say, God, where's that window? Where's that window? Because the enemy has been coming in like a flood, tempting and trying to bring down the people of God. He wants to get us while we're weak. We need to see the window. We need to see the way of escape. We need to see the open door. And we need to hold on to our peace. So this is how we hold on to our, our, our peace. One, we have to seek support. <laughs> we got to seek support. How, well, how do you seek support, Pastor Joy? You got to get your butt back in church. It should be. I probably said it nicer than that. But, yeah, basically, get your butt back in church. 
Josh said, I have a pet peeve when people give out fill in the blanks and they don't tell you. So I'm going to just say that. Number one, fill in the blank. Get your butt back in church. Not only get your butt back in church, but you need to reach out to people. Reach out to people. Listen, I do my job. I reach out to three to four people every single week. Do yours. Oh, I ain't paid. Well, psh. So, so what? You get, that's what you're called to do. It's not about a paycheck. It's about this is you, what you signed up for when you said you're a part of the church. Part of the church. I hate this thing that, that Americans say, I don't need the church. I, I am the church. I am the church. That is false. Eh, not, no, you're not. You're not the church. What do you mean I'm not the church, Pastor Joy? I, the church is in the building. It's the people. The people. Plural. You by yourself ain't the church. That's a cult leader. That's what that is. Together, we are the church. Come on, I'm preaching now. Yes, together we are the church. By yourself. Guess how the lion gets the little antelope. Is that what they're called? Like They're like dares of Africa, basically, right? How does he get the antelope, you know? He's by himself because he's old and tired or he's young and unwise or because he's hurt. Oh, church hurt. Get Listen. Believe it or not, I am compassionate. I know I don't sound like I am right now, but I, I don't like church hurt. Church hurts, it's, it bites, you know? It's, it's terrible when someone from the church hurts you. Matter of fact, I was at a game, two games yesterday, one of a public school and one of a Christian school. And I didn't mean to, but I got a little judgy at the Christian school one because it went long, and these parents were like, this, they were kind of yelling at some of the refs. And I was, like, laughing, like, oh, my gosh, they're in sixth grade. Like, who cares, you know? Um, and, <laughs> and I was, like, they're a little extra. I was just thinking that. And then my mother-in-law was with me and said, they're God's people too, Joy, and they also are humans, and they, and they make mistakes. I was, like, oh, you're right. I did to them what people do to me. Oh, she's a pastor, and she didn't even talk to me, or she didn't, she didn't see me, or she didn't, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm human, and I, and I work two jobs, and I go to grad school. My husband hates when I say that to my kids, like, once a day at least. <laughs> but I'm human. I miss it. We all miss it. And so what happens, people get hurt. They get, you know, I got the antelope story. It's coming back to it. You know, they get hurt or, or they're young and, and they don't know any better or they're old and they're tired or whatever. And so they're, you know, they're, they're back here with the antelopes. I don't know if that's how they, you know, they're, you know, they're doing their little antelope thing. And they're in a herd, but they, they get a little lost. They get a little left behind. They get vulnerable. And when they're vulnerable, that lion comes. Is sitting there in the tall grass. Okay, guys, really all I'm picturing is like the Lion King. That's like my reference, okay? <laughs> I never watch Animal Channel. I'm like all the way animated Lion King. But they're waiting. And that's when they attack. That's when they attack. That's what the Bible says, that the enemy, he's, he's crouching at the door, waiting to whom he may devour. And when you're alone and when you're isolated, he can get you quicker. And what did COVID do to the church and made us isolated? And people haven't come back. They have not come back. We need you to go out and bring them back or they are going to be destroyed, devoured. <laughs> Some of them are already super wounded. 
They don't need your judgment. Like, oh, my gosh, they're Christians. Why are they getting so mad at this little sixth-grade game like I was given yesterday? (laughs) They need your love. They need your support. How do we seek support? One another. One another. I got a group of four seasoned saints that I have. That's my prayer warriors, and I text them at least. How many times do I text you, Bessie? You're on that list. (laughs) Three, a lot, sometimes three times a day. I'm like, I'm going into Bowser High School. Y'all got to (laughs) pray. I'm like, kids, that's all I got to say. Pray, y'all. I'm like, finances, God needs to move. Pray. And they pray, and I know they got my back. We all need that group of people that can have our back. Oh, but I'm in a new church, or I'm in a new place. I don't know how to do it. Reach out and make a friend. Reach out and make a friend. Oh, but, you know, they're busy and this and that. Be the friend you want to have. Keep going after them. My Aunt Margaret, you know, you've been my role model on that. I'm not going to put out your age, but you're very seasoned. And she's still (laughs) very seasoned. And this woman knows everybody. She is like the queen of Waterville because she has made friends with people and continues friendship. She has kids. She has grandkids. She has great grandkids. And she still makes time to have relationship. Okay? We got to make time to have relationship. Is it work? Yes. But you got to make time for it. Make an effort. Go out your way for somebody. So, oh my goodness, I've been on that point point forever and I got like three more points and I told myself I was going to go short today. Okay. (laughs) All right. Stay rooted in God's word. Stay rooted in God's word. You know how you stay rooted in God's word? Well, you regularly, I cannot say that. You on time all the time read your word. Daily. I can say daily. On the daily, y'all, read your word. Like set an alarm, get into your word, read your Bible. It washes your mind. I'm studying in my psychology classes right now, CP, CBD, man, all these dyslexia and, and all the little acronyms, C. B-T, cognitive behavior therapy is actually one of my favorite. I'm like, dude, way before Ellis and whatever the other guys, Beck, who, who kind of came up with this in like the 30s, Paul talked about it. It's called take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Why are you behaving certain ways? Because you, it's, not, it's because of the way you're thinking about it. Why do you feel down all the time? It's because of how you're perceiving what's going on in your life. Change your thought life, friends. And, and, and your behavior and your feelings do change. It really, it's proven scientifically. Ooh, my kids love when I say scientifically. The first, like, you know, 15 years of their life, it was always like, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And they're like, I know, Mom, the Bible says. Now I'm like, scientifically, scientifically, scientifically. <laughs> And the Bible said it first. (laughs) But, you know, you got to let them know. Like, this is for real. I'm not just making this up. All right. So you got to stay in the word of God. Learn to pray and do spiritual warfare. Man, y'all got to learn to pray. Go old school. Go get get you some oil. I don't care. You can steal our oil here. We'll get some more. Like, get you out a prayer cloth. Like, seriously, go old school. Anoint your doors. Like, wait till the kids are gone. Matter of fact, maybe get them when they're, like, in their rooms on their phone and just go through. Like, they've seen it before. Just get to anointing. They're going to go into the room and see, like, a little cross like fingerprints of oil over their doors. Do it. (laughs) Like learn to pray. Learn to pray. All right, so we have to trust God's promises. Number two, we have to develop perseverance. 
We have to develop perseverance. Perseverance doesn't come overnight. It comes through trial and tribulation. I used to pray that the rapture would happen before my kids became teenagers. I did. I don't know if you remember that, Dad. I did. I prayed because I was ready. I've been ready. I've been ready since 1999 for Jesus to come back, right? <laughs> and I'm like, God, come on. Come back now. Come back now. I mean, I, we used to talk about it so much. I remember, like, when there was a lightning or a big boom, we were like, you know, only <laughs> ready, like ready. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, God, come back, like, when these kids are babies and this and that. And he said, I count you worthy of the tribulations. <laughs> <laughs> teenage years worthy of the tribulations but no seriously guys he counts us worthy of the trials that we're going through he counts us worthy of the hardships we're going through you know how dirt perseverance is developed through pain through suffering perseverance is an act of persistently pursuing a go a task despite facing obstacles, setbacks, or discouragement. It reflects an individual's unwavering determination and resilience in the face of challenges. The quality involves commitment to keep moving forward and maintain one's efforts, especially in the path of difficulty. And it requires a significant amount of time and energy, friends. Ultimately, perseverance embodies a resolve. We need a resolve again to overcome adversity and to continue working to achieving what God has called us to achieve. Perseverance is best seen in the struggle. Best seen in the struggle. Look at Joseph, friends. <laughs> Look at Joseph. He stayed ready. He stayed faithful, and he persevered. He persevered being beat up by his brothers. He persevered being thrown into a pit the first time. He persevered again, sold into slavery. He persevered being lied on by Potiphar's wife. He persevered jail time. He persevered the, 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 the people that he helped out in jail because he was still faithful to interpret dreams, right? The, the cook and the butler. He persevered then forgetting about him even longer. And he stayed ready and stayed faithful. And then God in his due season lifted him up. Man, and guess what? Just like the word here in Revelation says, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews that are not but liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I love you. What did he do to Joseph? His brothers who claim to be people of God but yet were liars saying he died when he did not eventually came and bowed down to Joseph to say, man, you are favored. God does love you. You are special. Friends, your day is coming if you hold on, if you persevere. Similar to, to Joseph's brothers, God is going to allow the enemies of our life to acknowledge that you're favored in love, both in the physical and in the spiritual, but you got to stand firm and persevere. you got to develop patience. Guys, I'm sorry, in 2020, I, 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 every year I ask that God will give me a fruit of the Spirit. This year it's been faithfulness. 2020, it was patience. My bad. <laughs> it's still going on but he wants us to develop patience he wants us to persevere amen all right I'm wrapping up here in the last point here remember if you want to hold on to the peace when life gets shaky then you got to remain a pillar mm -hmm. remaining a pillar Jesus said I'm coming soon hold on and I will make you what a pillar I will make you a pillar those who are victorious are promised to be made 
pillars in the temple of God, symbolizing their importance and stability in a spiritual sense. The world is shaky. Our culture is shaky. Our economy is, sh- is shaky. We've already discussed this. But you are strong. You are steadfast. You are victorious. And you are a pillar if you hold on and remain in him. Amen? So pillars of Solomon's temple. In the construction of Solomon's temple, there were pillars and they personified these pillars, and they gave them names. They gave them the name Jacob, which if I had another son, that's what I would have named him. And they gave him the name Boaz. These pillars were placed in the entrance of the temple. God is, he is making the people who have stand firm, the people who have held on pillars right now. He's making you a pillar. Now listen to this. Jacob's name, you know what it means? It means he shall establish or God will establish. It symbolizes the idea of establishment or stability of God's presence in the temple. God is raising up stability in his church, and we need stability. One of my favorite qualities about my husband, it may be my favorite quality, is he is steadfast. Fast. He is stable. He he listen, I'm wild. Like you can get me going. I'm I'm like, yee, whoo, yee, like, mmm, mmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like things can get me going. Josh is steady. He is steady. He is, and we need that in our life. I'm like, I've prayed, God, give me temperance, give me discretion, help me be steady, help me not be moved by the storms of the world. We gotta pray that. Okay, it doesn't matter what our personality is. Right? Even me and you, Andrew, we can be stable. (laughs) We can be stable. We can be steady. We can be steadfast. And that's what God is doing. He's establishing a steadfast stability in his church. We need men and women of God that are going to be unmovable. Pillars. Steady. Boaz. I love me some Boaz. Now wait for your Boaz. Jubilee and Faith, wait for your Boaz. Boaz, <laughs> you too, Eva. I didn't forget about you. Wait for your Boaz. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm on vacation next week. Um, wait for your Boaz. You know what Boaz symbolizes? Strength. With him is strength. When you think about Boaz from the Bible, he he took Ruth in. He was the he was a kinsman redeemer. He brought strength. That's where Jesse came from. That's where David came from. Boaz represents the idea of strength and what? Support. Signifying the temple and his worshipers find strength in God. Friends, God wants to bring these things. He wants to cause us to be Jakins. Can you come up here and and throw this down for me? Yep, you got it. (laughs) Today, I wanted to end with something a little different. I got, can't afford pillars. We have a few of them here. But all of us together, just like I said, you alone are not the church. I alone can't be a pillar to this church. Josh alone cannot be a pillar to this church. Even Bob and Bessie alone cannot be the pillars to this church. We need every single one of us. So I have stones that are down here that I believe each one of these stones represent strength and stability. And God wants to make us people who are strong and stable. Would you stand up? people who are steadfast and established, people who will bring support, people who will be strengthened 
So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. And then before you leave, you're going to pick up one or two, or maybe three or four if it's a lot, <laughs> of these rocks. You're going you're to put them somewhere special, and you're going to remember, I am a pillar of God's church, not by myself, but with my community. We are pillars, and we're going to bring strength to the church because the church needs strengthened. And we're going to bring, we're going to bring us, we're going to bring stability to the church because the church needs stability. And we are going to do our part to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes, Heavenly Father? I thank you, Lord God, for your sons and daughters. And God, I'm going to be the first one because God, I need it, and I'm picking me up too. One for strength and one for stability. God, sometimes one of us are stronger than another. And you could come up whenever you want. Sometimes one of us might be stronger with strength. Sometimes one of us might be stronger with stability, but we need them both. And even in my weakness, Lord God, in times where I feel like I'm not stable, my emotions are everywhere, God, I thank you that you can bring stability out of me. God, I thank you in times where I feel like I'm weak-willed and I can't say no or I, I, I can't do all the things you've called me to do. You will be my strength. And God, because you are my strength and my stability, you are making me a pillar in your temple, God. You are making me a pillar. God, I speak strength and stability over this church. God, I thank you our greatest days are still ahead of us, Lord God. I know we've been weak, and Lord God, our faith has been tested. We're like, God, how can we ever come up with $30,000 more for this land? How can we ever uh, afford everything that you've called us to do? God, we can't, but you can. You will bring stability. You will bring strength in this body. God, I thank you for the faithful sons and daughters, Lord God, the faithful people in this house who have not given up, who have not bowed a knee, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord God, for pouring out your spirit on them, Lord God, reminding them of who they are in you, reminding them of their identity, that their identity is in Christ, that when you look at them, God, you say, you have been faithful. You have held on, and I am coming. I am coming with the key of David in my hand, and I'm opening doors that no man can open, and I'm shutting doors that no man can shut and your future is bright the church is going to be strengthened and strong god i thank you for helping us lord jesus hold on to your promise help us develop perseverance god god i thank you for helping us lord jesus be the pillars you've created us to be god that we would not bow that we would not fall down that we would not falter they would remember god your promises are yes and amen God, fill your church, fill your people. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Amen.